Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Conversations That Heal. This is your host, Susan Jacoby. I hope you are enjoying these inspirational interviews and they help you to discover how to make the decision to overcome childhood trauma, develop self-love, and live a life of peace and joy. On today's show, we're going to be talking about new possibilities that are waiting for us. All we have to do is open our hearts to receive them. Our emotional scars hold us back from allowing us to live how we are intended to live, with abundance, with purpose, with faith, with hope, and joy. The scars of the trauma do not define who we are today. They didn't define us during the traumatic event. They don't define us now. As an adult, I invite you to take a step back and think about where the scars, the pain, the habits, your actions are coming from. Are they coming from a place of a responsible adult that you are? Or are they coming from a place of you as a child who was the dumping grounds for the abuser's insecurities? I am not suggesting in any way any of this is easy. For some of us, it can take years to process. But the freedom of awakening is like a boulder of shame being lifted from our shoulders and heart. Our guest today is Jiwanda Parker. Using her own life as a catalyst for change, Jiwanda embodies the message of God's love, healing, transformation, and hope. Having been raised in a foster care system, experiencing every form and type of abuse, overcoming stigma of shame, rejection, and unworthiness speaks to the transformation of God's healing power and love. She has written her memoir, It Only Hurts When I Can't Run. Her website is gwanda.com, G-E-W-A-N-D-A.com. Welcome, Jiwanda. Thank you so much to come to the conversation. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. What the turning point was when you realized that your past does not define who you are today? Is there a, a specific time? Maybe not a specific time, but a combination of different events that happened along my journey to where I just had to basically not not embrace so much of the victimization that I had endured, but make a conscious decision to turn over a new leaf. And so it wasn't like a aha moment. It was more so of a evolving into a different type of person with how I saw myself as well as how I approached different situations. I'm glad that you shared it like that. Interestingly enough, I would say very close to what you're saying. You know, there wasn't like this major aha moment, me, and everything changed. And that's important, I think, for people to know what it looks like, how it feels, so that they can get comfortable and that it's not some big, huge, emotional roller coaster. I never found it that way, and it sounds like you didn't either. Would that be fair? That's, that's very fair and also very accurate because what I 
continue to find is that as I go on my journey, there are days and situations and relationships where I have to continuously remember that I'm no longer a victim. And sometimes when you have had situations like I endured, you tend to filter everything through a default system that you have to actually kind of retrain yourself so that you can have healthy relationships, so that you can move beyond the fear or move beyond the rejection or insecurity or, or whatever it is that you are experiencing so that it's in a, in a more healthy space opposed to the default of being a victim. So I, don't, I can't say that it's a one-time thing or that you can just identify it as this is the moment. We're, we're constantly changing and constantly getting better and constantly trying um, new ways of, of dealing with situations. Absolutely. I tend to focus a lot on this show about how things look and, and feel just so that people get comfortable with it. And so consequently, I want to ask you how you would describe the difference between the surviving mode the moving forward mode, and then stepping into self-love? The surviving mode is almost like you're drowning. It's like you can never, ever come to a place of peace. Uh, For me, that's how it was. It was always something else, always something else that I had to overcome, or it was another fear that I had to face, or I had to show up into my own life as my authentic self and not a projected self or not a hidden person. And so I was never at peace because I was always trying to just keep my head above the water. And before I began to actually come into the moving forward part, I I was just encapsulated with a lot of shame. The shame aspect held me pretty much like a prisoner, so I couldn't be myself. And it was only that I began to take little steps, literally baby steps, baby steps such as looking at someone in their face and holding a conversation to not let my eyes shift or to look down or to turn away because I had so much shame or I was so insecure. So a baby step of surviving that was to be able just to have a regular conversation with a person and engage in that conversation without all these um, negative feelings that I had. And then moving forward, it was more so of talking to myself, talking it through. I am a person of faith. And so for me, I couldn't just talk it through. I had to have something that was very tangible that um, really just, just helped me to move forward. And for me, that was scripture. And so I would use the Bible and particular verses to help me to move forward and to gain some space of healing. Once I conquered one area and I kind of felt like I was okay in that that particular space, then I would try something else and try something else. So it was like continuously just kind of moving forward, baby steps, baby steps. And then the self-love part for me is, again, ever-evolving. 
I, I would say, just to be very transparent, one that I'm in the midst of right now where I'm having um, essentially to go back to some of that same programming is my appearance. I just had a baby 16 weeks ago. My default is to always put myself down and to make myself lower than what God says I am or even just in, in general life. I am now currently in the process of having to talk to myself and say, okay, Jawanda, you are not so fat and out of shape. You are not ugly. Uh, you know, those things that would just erode at your self-confidence and who you are, and I would have to go back to some of those steps with Scripture. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God is pleased with me just how I look. And I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll say, okay, you look good today. It's okay. <laughs> you look good. Those are the things that I used in um, moving from surviving to moving forward to self-love to even now as new situations happen where I have to speak to myself continuously. And then one other thing I would add is to have a good support system of if, even if it's just one person who you can be very transparent and, and open with so that they can give you positive feedback but accurate feedback and not, not just a yes person but very accurate feedback in a positive way so that it doesn't do any more damage to you. So I think it's just, it is multifaceted that it just doesn't happen. It's a lifestyle that you have to embrace and continue to walk it out. The support person that you're talking about, who would you say that is? Like a coach, a therapist, a spouse, a friend? I would say it was probably a combination of everyone. But you have to, like, mm -hmm. watch... You can't expect your spouse or your friend to hold the space that a, a trained professional can. So I think it's mm -hmm. kind of like a trust yourself on who you can reach out to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I would say it is a combination of several people that make up the whole. I am a, an advocate for counseling therapist, even coaching, life coaching, dream coaching, financial coaching. I'm an advocate for those areas because I believe in, in those areas they are trained and they know what they're looking for to help you to get to the next place. Me personally, I am constantly, I remain in counseling. <laughs> I have a standing appointment with my counselor, if not twice a month, once a month for sure. The support people that you trust and who love you enough to be able to hold you in that sacred space. I would not say you pick someone just because their title makes them close to you, such as a family member or a longstanding friend, because they may not know you to the degree that they need to be involved in your areas of vulnerability. For me, those standing persons that hold me in a sacred space are those that have proven to me just by way of my comfort level and their interactions with me how safe I can be.
So I have one good girlfriend, I would say, who would tell me the truth. Although she's been in my life maybe even not as long as some other people, but she will tell me the truth. And she has even proven it through some sacrifices that she made where she tells me, okay, you're wrong in that area or you're thinking weird. I understand your past, but you're thinking weird or you are spot on, Jawanda, this is it. And then I have some elderly uh, people who have proven themselves to me over years that I can I can just lay myself bare and say, you know, this is what I'm feeling. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know what's going on with me. And some and I don't even have to talk to them a lot. I could just text and say, hey, I need a phone call. I need five minutes of your time. But because their consistency in our relationship and they have proven over a a space of time that I can be open with them and they still love me unconditionally. They don't beat me up about my thinking or how I'm feeling. They just kind of continue to kind of help me through it. Then I share. That's extremely important, especially when you're coming from a background of dysfunction. And I think all of us have dysfunction in some areas. When you have had the very core of your trust broken, then you cannot just expose your vulnerabilities to everyone because it can sometimes turn around and bite you or do more harm. So it's really dependent on the person. And I think, too, there's an inner space within you that will let you know, yes, this is a person that I can really trust. You gave a lot of wisdom, and the listeners might have to go do a little rewind here. When you started talking about when you were answering this question about surviving and moving forward and and then stepping into self-love, everything that you said, I obviously I'm not you, so I'm not going to say exactly like you. I would have said it very similarly to you. Mm -hmm. What is so important about that is, and I used to be like this for for years, for for decades. You think that you're unique, you're different, your thought patterns, no one else is going to have something like that. And that's just not true. I mean, we all are unique. We all have special gifts to bring. And our feelings and how we experience life are very similar because we are all human beings. I think my counselor is the one that helped me in that area because I would, that, and that's why I say I'm an advocate for counseling. I really am. I would share, um, I, I have a, a male counselor and a female counselor, and I remember sharing with him saying that I'm not normal. I'm not normal. People don't think this way. <laughs> and he kind of laughed at me. He said, Jawanda, the reason why you think, you're not normal is because people don't share what you just shared. He basically said, just trust me on this. I've been doing this for years. What you just outlined is the basis for every person who is struggling with insecurity. What you talk about with your mother is exactly the same feelings that people have of a sense of abandonment 
what you are experiencing over here in new crowds is the same tendency and fear of rejection that I hear all the time. The thing is, is that you're not having these conversations with the people because everyone is like you. They think that they are abnormal and no one is sharing, no one is talking about it. So you think you're the only one. And I have found that to be true, even in, in helping people and coaching people and counseling and, and different things. It's almost as if I sit and I know where they're going because I have, I've, I've been down that road. I know how to communicate what they're feeling because it's so similar. It's almost like facing the same bears, the same demons, so to speak. They just have different faces. It's the same thing. It's just coming up in a different time period or different city. But we're human, and so we still have, we share in those commonalities of the struggles that we, we have to overcome. It's very important to, to look at the fact this isn't like the world according to Juwanda or the world according to Susan. This, these are the universal truths. It's exactly why I created this radio show. So we're all making progress one step at a time. And probably the reason why you wrote your book, the reason I wrote my book, the reason a lot of survivors write their books, we are coming close to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. You wanted, thank you so much. I really have treasured this time together, and I'm very grateful that we were able to connect and have this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, and I just appreciate you allowing me to be on your show. You're very welcome. Please contact me at susan at conversationsappeal.com if I can support you on your healing journey. Leave a comment on Blog Talk or iTunes to help us reach listeners in search of living a life of peace and joy. Above all, remember that you are a lovable and capable human being. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal.